This episode of Gen C is sponsored by Chainalysis, PayPal, and WineChain. Welcome to Gen C. Gen C is Generation Crypto. These are the people who were raised on a different philosophy on how they look at money, how they look at identity, how they look at privacy, and how they reimagine their relationships with the communities and companies they interact with. We focus on how Web2 and Web3 brands are building for these audiences. I'm Sam Ewan from Coindesk, and our co-host is Avery Akinini from Vayner3. Welcome to Gen C. I'm very excited about this episode. Avery is not with us today. She is probably on a yacht in Cannes with Gary Vaynerchuk, drinking rosé and hobnobbing probably with some stars. And we are here in the office not having that opportunity. But in lieu of Avery, we do have the fabulous Cam Thompson, one of our best Web3 writers at Coindesk. We're going to talk about what's going on in the Web3 space. And then we're going to dive into two stories that I just thought were too good not to talk to Cam about as we kind of do a little bit of a deep dive into what's happening in the state of Web3. But Cam, I know you were just on vacation. I follow you on Instagram. First of all, where were you? What did you do? And why did you come back to work? (laughs) So great questions. First of all, thank you so much for having me. Can't wait to kick off this Sam and Cam show as we've been talking about for many months now. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. So I just came back from Barbados. I was there for a week. It was absolutely wonderful just laying out in the sun. You know, I felt like this vacation, I was very unplugged. So I barely checked Twitter, barely checked any NFT collection prices. Sorry, guys. I was not being a good degen, but I needed a break. And now I feel very well rested and recharged and happy to be back. And yeah, so here I am excited to kick this off. You know, this is a great start to the week. Were there any conversations over drinks with umbrellas about crypto in Barbados? You know, I actually did. So while I was there, I met a couple on their honeymoon and the husband, he was talking about how he's invested in crypto because obviously the conversation got into, you know, what our jobs are, what we do. And he told me that he was invested in Bitcoin and Ethereum and he didn't really touch NFTs. He wasn't really sure much about what they were, which was interesting because he is a music producer on the side of his full-time job. And I was thinking about how I was a little surprised that he wasn't into NFTs when there there is a lot of intersection between music and NFTs, not just the music itself, but the culture around it, you know, the artists who are getting into it, the people who are really passionate about NFTs and Web3. There are a lot of artists out there, musical artists who are stepping into the space. So I thought that was interesting. Of course, I always try to onboard people wherever I am, you know, give my little spiel. But um, yeah, not much crypto talk. But when I did, it was all about NFTs because that's what I do. That's great. So I didn't go anywhere, but I don't sleep very much. I don't know if you knew that. So sometimes I try to find things to do early in the morning, late in the evenings. And I happened across a show called Texas Motors on Netflix. Oh, Texas Motors is a show which I somehow love these shows. I'm not really a car person, but I love car modification, like find a refurb show, like car and then make it into something. Totally. The premise of the show is that these guys go into Mexico because there's so many classic American cars that were made in Mexico, like in the 50s and 60s and 70s. Mm-hmm. And they go and buy like these shells of vintage cars and they refurb them. Episode, I think it's six, maybe it's seven. They refurb a 1959 Rambler. Wow. And the guy comes to buy it and he says, could I pay you in NFTs? 
And then, I, of course, I could not stop thinking about when the show was probably recorded and hoping that they did not take the NFTs in lieu of the car. And then, of course, I didn't, you know, is he giving them a board ape or is he giving them like five super yetis? You know, it was just very hard for me to sort of understand why a car shop would also take NFTs. But it brought me down a fun place. All right, let's get to some top stories, Cam. First episode of the Cam and Sam show, we're going to start with, I don't know if you follow the Alethea AI project. I've been in the Discord for like probably a year or two. And it's one of the ones very early on that for me was talking about how to bring AI to NFTs. And in this story, it was basically that they just announced that they've incorporated like everybody else, chat GPT into the Alethea AI. And now you can bring that AI to the NFT JPEG characters you have in your wallet. So I wanted to get your thoughts of one, have you tracked the story at all? What do you think of the idea of, as they say, that this can allow your NFTs to have real-time conversations with you? You can have the NFTs create custom videos for you. They can make art. Like, what's your thought of giving human-like personalities to NFTs? And will you be looking into Alethea for a future story? That's a great question. First of all, I had not heard of Alethea until you sent it to me earlier. Of course, I've been following this growing intersection of AI and Web3. However, I've been very careful about doing so. I think that a lot of people are very quick to jump on understanding an intersection and seeing that there is a clear world in which AI and Web3 coexist and almost looping them into the same category, when in reality, I think that we're very far away from that. And although these platforms are growing and they exist, you know, and I was reading up on this story about this INFT being able to incorporate ChatGPT and some of these elements. The only real use case I've seen with AI and Web3 so far is generative art. And beyond that, I don't see a reason to go further. I don't think that there is a necessity for AI to be incorporated into NFTs. In fact, I think that it comes down to this very question of why we do NFTs in the first place. And if you're having these assets on chain, are you also going to put these conversations on chain? Are you going to put everything <laughs> in a smart contract? I mean, I think that it's an interesting idea, but does it need an NFT in order to have validity? And is it just hopping on this crypto Web3 train that people are talking about? That's just some of my thoughts. I'm a little hesitant to interact with it, but I mean, I think it's interesting for sure. What are your thoughts? Just on top of what you said, because I think you hit a lot of the buttons that I would normally go, I keep wondering where the sort of intersection of crypto and AI will resolve. I think it was both on Pivot and on All In this past week that both podcasts, which are both very popular tech podcasts, each mentioned the possibility of when AI learning models have a digital rights organization that's paying out to those who have created the work to ingest. And a lot of it was in relation to the stuff going on with Reddit and some of the other like folks who have just giant troves of data that one can incorporate and they don't want to give it away for free. Twitter is another one, right? So I feel like what better than a sort of transparent, trustless database that can track ingestion and do micropayments on the back end. And crypto feels like, I mean, the amount of compute power we need, my guess is, would be pretty high. Probably not on Ethereum or Bitcoin, but there are definitely chains out there that could do this. So I think there's a really interesting intersection that I keep waiting for that to be the area of crypto AI that we get involved with. With that said, like going back to Netflix, anyone who's watched any of the episodes of Black Mirror, new season just out, 
has seen the idea of what it means to have animated and augmented characters in your life. So the idea that you could plug in an AI Alethea brain to your board ape, have an ever going conversation that the board ape never forgets what you've talked about in prior conversations, and that that could be like your AI assistant in the future, actually like is kind of an interesting thing because there are a lot of folks in the AI space right now who are saying that you're like a personal digital assistant is one of the big use cases that we're all going to have in the future. So why not have that be Board Ape 7742? Thoughts? It's interesting. You say the why not. Why not is because this personal assistant could be anything. It could be a JPEG that's completely off chain. It could be a chat bot that you have installed on a separate app. I don't necessarily see why it needs to be an NFT. I mean, I think that there's a lot that goes into NFTs in terms of digital identity. I mean, that's a huge reason why people buy into these collections, specifically Board Ape, which you were talking about. You know, that's a PFP. That's something that people are going to display as their Twitter profile, as their Instagram profile, et cetera. You know, take that around and don that as their digital identity. So in that sense, maybe it makes a little bit more sense to have this AI assistant beside it. But Really, when it comes to the technology behind it, I'm not entirely sure that an NFT is necessary. But what you were talking about earlier, I do see AI having some helpful elements that can develop in the crypto space, you know, beyond just the NFT world. But we're still very early. I'm interested to see what's happening. But I think that we have to proceed with caution when we're talking about these technologies and when we're thinking about what their impact might actually be and whether it's actually impactful. All right, so to wrap it up, eyes wide open when it comes to AI brains inside your digital JPEGs. The next two stories I wanna focus on are a little bit of the state of where we're at with two of the biggest brands building in the space. So two things happened this week that I wanted to get your take on. The first was I hopped into the Starbucks Odyssey Discord and I noticed in the Odyssey Discord that they announced that there is a new stamp collection coming out. And as some of you may know, the way that Odyssey is rolling out is you earn stamps. Those stamps are on-chain assets that you can keep or resell. They unlock certain types of benefits. Some you can get for free just by doing certain activities. Others you get by like buying a protein box and frappuccino every day, and it can earn you it. And then one of the things that I know has been recent is they started just putting stamps for sale out. So this new collection is, it looks like it's four different stamps. Each one is $25 and that's for three of them. Then there's a fourth one that you can earn simply by taking a kind of online course about where their coffee comes from. So the Komodo dragon is the one that you get for free if you go through it. It's been like three or four months now since Odyssey has come out. And like most people now who have wanted to get in, I think are in. Everyone's really excited about Starbucks coming on chain and they use it constantly in reference to big brands. But I keep feeling like there's still not something that's clicking for me and I want it to click so bad. So I looked at this and I just wanted to ask you, as someone who covers the space, as someone who like deep dives into the stuff, do you think that Starbucks has figured it out yet? I think that this open edition mint is a signal that they're starting to figure it out. I mean, I heard a lot of mixed takes at the beginning. You know, it was a huge announcement when Starbucks first teased this Odyssey program and 
it's become, you know, in the Web3 space, when we're talking about brands moving from Web2 to Web3, everywhere you see Nike, Starbucks, Adidas, it's like those three, you know, I swear I write that like every day. There are plenty more brands, of course, just those are some big ones that come to mind. But, you know, as this program is rolled out, there hasn't really been a lot of tangible excitement or real use of this product. I mean, of course, Web3 natives are using it, but not a ton of Web2 native users have really been tapping into it. I think that using an open edition, you know, this is an NFT that you can mint into and it's ongoing or it's set for a period of time. You know, there's not a cap on the supply. People can just click and mint. I think it showcases that Starbucks is using this for the technology and not for the monetary benefit. I think that the monetary benefit, whatever type of speculation that exists within the NFT world, which, you know, that's kind of what defined it in the first place, right? 2021, all about speculation. I think that's what has held people back from entering, you know, these types of programs. I mean, crypto's down. We've faced a very difficult bear market. We're still in the depths of the bear market. But, you know, it looks like things are getting better regardless of crypto prices. You know, I don't look at NFTs with crypto prices. Like, I don't really think about it in terms of that, but many other people do. So using an open edition, I think, is a great way in order to help people understand, okay, you know, this is a stamp. I can buy it. If I've been participating in this program, I can buy it. I can, you know, there's not any type of insane competition related to the amount. That's why I was super passionate when open edition started in the first place, you know, earlier this year. Like, I guess not started, but became more popular. So that's kind of my take. What are your thoughts, Sam? I mean, I think you're right, but I also don't know if that makes it right. And that's one of the things I keep thinking about, which is I think, and I understand this, like Starbucks has the most successful loyalty program that's ever been. They have the largest amount of dollars in app outside of the Apple store in terms of payments, right? So they're the biggest payment player in the space. Yeah, like they're a giant brand who's figured out technology and innovation really well. Super shout out to Adam Brotman, who was there now part of the Forum 3 team that is building Odyssey. I think where I keep going back to with them is, and it makes sense when you go into a Starbucks and you buy your drink and you get a couple stars, right? And then those stars accrue. And then after 200 stars, maybe you get a free drink and it keeps you, you know, coming back in. Here, what I think keeps going in my head is like, I guess I want the on-chain to evolve the loyalty program. And I think we're still at the loyalty program 1.0, like your point about the last story. None of this yet needs to be an NFT. We did see a couple of these stamps trade, I think on Nifty Gateway is where they're trading. But that was just like, I think, because people wanted to have the first ones just for their collection. And I think we saw some go for like $2,000. But the open edition Komodo, like, I would love for them to tease a little bit more. Hey, collect 10 stamps and, or... Hey, we have 5,000 locations around the world. Only if you have these three stamps, can you X, right? Like that's where I think there's a lot of fun that they can start to have that will make people jump in. I also think I would love to see at some point, whether it's a toggle switch or just even a separate Odyssey app, but the more that they can make it easier, it still feels like I have to go on like my desktop and I got to log in and I got to like perform these actions, which are often like watching a lot of video or spending a lot of money, Yeah, you know? And so that's where it just feels very kind of like, almost like web one to me. And I want them to be in Web3. I'm sure they will get there. I just think, yeah, I don't know. I'm just, I keep wanting to be more excited than I end up being. But again, just knowing what Adam and Andy Sachs and on that whole team is building, I'm sure we're going to get there. And maybe I'm just not seeing it big enough. And compared to some of the other brands that have been doing, I think it's in a much louder way recently. Totally. I mean, when brands announce their Web3 activations, people get really excited And a lot of times they forget that 
you have to open up a wallet or maybe not for Starbucks, but for other platforms, you know, you have to at least have some type of knowledge that breaks down these barriers to entry. You have to spend some money. You have to go through these different checks and balances, I guess, KYCIML, to make sure that you're able to participate. So when it comes to that, I think that might be one of the reasons why people aren't as upfront about entering some of these programs, yet there's still a lot of value that they can bring. And I think the idea is amazing, but I agree with you. I'd love to see the execution. And I do believe they can get there. I mean, they're still very early. You know, it's cool. I'm excited. All right. Talk about excited. Let's jump to our third story. So yesterday I get a text message from Supermodel Gamer, who's like a gamer slash Web3 person on Twitter. And she's like, Bryson is talking about Nike on Twitch. So I hop onto Twitch and I watch the stream. And I'm just going to say counter to Starbucks. I was like, Nike went hard. And I will say we at Coindesk, like we wrote some kind of like not super like bullish stories on the Nike swoosh drop. And I think maybe the thing that we missed a little bit was like, Nike's going to do some shit because they just know how to do things. And so they announced, I think it was the day after the dot swoosh mint closed, they had a Nike and EA sports thing. And then I think it was last week, they announced Nike and Fortnite. And that opened this week. So what I saw on the stream, I was like, frankly, much more impressed than I thought I was going to be. Now, I'm not a big gamer. I just want to throw that out there. I have played Fortnite a couple of times. <laughs> Neither am I. Neither <laughs> you. <laughs> but, you know, Bryson is taking you through. Oh, I connect my Epic login and then I can connect Swoosh directly to that. The minute I do that in Fortnite, it unlocks this like loot box of a ton of stuff. And then he takes us through it. And it's like you get an entire character that's decked out as if it's made of like basketballs and hockey gear <laughs> and like Air Force Maxes and all of these things. It's actually a pretty cool looking character. And then you go into your inventory and you have shoes and you have battle axes that are like made out of like 97 like Air Force Ones. And then you have like a glider, which is like a shoe box that goes on your back. You have all of this stuff and like a ton of assets that you get and you get them all for free. And one of the things that Bryson said on the stream, which I thought was really interesting, was he's like, some of these might be some of the rarest objects in Fortnite at the moment, because the overlap of those who have dot swoosh, there's like 97,000 total dot swoosh assets out there, only 56, 57,000 owners. But the overlap of those who also are playing Fortnite might be relatively small. So these assets could be pretty rare and you also have the ability to gift them to friends. And I believe once you connect to accounts, it also drops you a new soulbound token that you can use potentially for future stuff. And then there's this whole Air Max world, which is like, again, I'm not a gamer, but I was like, they spent a lot of time, a lot of money on creating it's amazing. this. Yeah, this really cool spot. We'll put the link to Bryson's video in the show notes. But it was one of those things where I was like, thinking about all the people who maybe slept a little bit on the Nike that Swiss drop, a $20 asset, like it wasn't a lot of money to spend and how they kind of, because also they're Nike, they might've like come over the top in ways that people just were not expecting, I guess. And, you know, I am professionally bullish on this space. I think you are more skeptical by design as you should be. <laughs> so I wanted to say, am I just like riding the like ether waves of Air Max or am I like correct in thinking this might be like something bigger? You know, I have to say I have been a little skeptical so far on this podcast, but I am very excited about this. And the reason why is because this is one of the first projects that I've seen 
one of the first, I'm not saying it is the first, that has addressed the interoperability issue. Because Fortnite has been a walled garden for years. It's a mega popular game. You know, it's a mass, such a large audience of Gen Z, Zoomers, I guess that's the generation younger than me, um, people older too, millennials, whatnot, all the different generations love to play Fortnite. But that's just been Fortnite, you know? That's been completely its own world, its own metaverse, if you will, if I do call it a metaverse. <laughs> and then Nike, you know, this is an iconic shoe brand that has stepped into NFTs. And yeah, it was rocky at first. I stand by what we published. I mean, you know, we told the facts, but... They did have some technical difficulties, for sure. Yes. <laughs> but I do think that it's really cool how they've been able to integrate both of these platforms with massive audiences. I mean, the dot swoosh audience is very large. And this Fortnite audience is gargantuan compared to that. So being able to have this intersection where you can take both of these audiences and combine it into one world and get people excited about merchandise and skins and all of these different elements of both brands and, you know, leveraging both IP to be able to exist in this one place, I think is really cool. And I hope that more brands take notes on this approach. You know, I'm excited to see how it does. I'm excited to see how many people claim their loot boxes, how many people play the game, whether new people start to play Fortnite for this or new people sign up for Swoosh. I mean, I'd love to see those numbers. And I'm bullish on that for sure. I think that it's just a greater signal of how we're starting to mature in this space and actually take this interoperability problem that people have talked about so many times and actually start to do something with it. I mean, that's mainly why I'm excited about it. Well, and when you think of that, EA Sports is its own platform. Epic is its own platform. They're playing in both. So like, to your point, which I think is, again, such a good one, interoperability is built in at the core because just by design, they're going to these two different platforms which don't work in the same way. So they're having to think through that. I think it's also a great testament of Nike going hard after gamers in general, which we know is an area that's like really interesting to them. And, you know, I've been really trying to immerse myself in the gaming ecosystem for about six months. Again, not as a player, actually, I just want to understand the market dynamics because I think it's fascinating. And I was just really impressed with how they thought of it. I will also say that I don't know if you share this with me, but I am so bullish on the idea that gaming is the next big onboard for people because it's not nearly as much about financial speculation as it is about opening opportunity. And this to me is the biggest sort of gaming play now to date. Like they set such a stake in the ground, which is like you mess with the bull, you get the horns. You know what I'm saying? I completely agree. I think gaming is a great avenue for onboarding people to Web3 and not for that speculation element and financial incentive that you were talking about. It's just for the fact of using the technology. And, you know, people who play games talk about how important those in-game purchases and those assets are to them in order to actually play the game and make an enjoyable, competitive, fun experience. So being able to leverage that technology is really what it's all about. And I think that's something that will stick and will continue to grow for sure. All right, Cam, after the break, we're going to come back and we're going to talk about two stories that you just wrote, which I think are both fascinating, interesting, slightly weird. <laughs> and I just want to get your take on what was interesting about them to you and sort of just understand for our audience, these two different use cases that are both leveraging NFTs in unique ways, as well as the multiverse. We'll talk about that right when we get back. Awesome. Web3 offers budding opportunities for brands to create more value for their customers, engage fans, and build immersive community. But that doesn't come without its risks. 
Chainalysis helps Fortune 500 brands better understand and manage the risks in Web3 through proactive assessments, on-chain monitoring, investigations, training, and more, so that they can focus on building a roadmap for long-term growth. Learn more about how Chainalysis can help your company grow in Web3 at chainalysis.com slash genc. Attention crypto holders, moving crypto is seamless and secure with PayPal. With support for Bitcoin, ETH, and more, you can buy, sell, hold, send, and check out with crypto at millions of shops online. Not to mention, PayPal now supports the ability to send to and from external wallets and charges you nothing when transferring between PayPal and Venmo crypto wallets. Whether you're exploring the world of Web3 or hodling on for another day, PayPal is the convenient and simple way to convert dollars into crypto. PayPal has your back. They work to protect your financial info and give you confidence every step of your crypto journey. Now's the time to make your crypto move. Get started today at paypal.com slash crypto. Terms and conditions apply. NFTs may fade, but the technology lives on. Enter WineChain, the platform unleashing fine wines as an alternative asset class on the Polygon network. Top wineries mint rare cuvées as NFTs, ensuring value backed by physical bottles, tradable on a seamless peer-to-peer marketplace. Enjoy worry-free storage until you're ready to ship, at which point the NFT gets burned for added authenticity. Don't miss out on the perfect blend of wine passion and crypto benefits. Experience unmatched wine asset liquidity when you start your journey at winechain.co today. All right, Cam, we are back. The first story that you published that I wanted to talk about came out this week was about the University of Nicosia. Some of you may remember that the University of Nicosia worked with the anonymous Punk6529 account and helped create kind of an online course, a MOOC as they call it, which was kind of a way for folks to get more and more involved in an online education paradigm, which was really interesting. So they now have a new course that just came out that, now correct me, I may have got this wrong. It feels like it's a certificate degree in the metaverse. Just explain what's going on here because I don't really understand it. So according to the website, it's a full MSc, Masters of Science in the metaverse. And it's a year-long program, so through the calendar year, so starts in September, ends in August. And you cover two fields specifically, metaverse design and metaverse management. So it focuses on concepts such as architecture, content creation, 3D modeling, how to set up these metaverse worlds, blockchain, NFTs, data analytics. It really encompasses all of these elements that go into building a metaverse. And I think what's interesting about it is it really addresses this question, you know, is a metaverse web two or web three? You know, are we pivoting towards a blockchain oriented metaverse or a metaverse that is completely off chain and doesn't really interact with these inherently crypto based elements? It's very promising to me that They include both of these subject matters and are able to cater to so many different types of students who studied all various different kinds of fields prior in order to get this master's in the metaverse. I mean, I would do it. It sounds great. (laughs) Would you get your master's in the metaverse, Sam? You know, I keep wondering about this. You know, when I went to college, we barely had computers. Like, let's be honest, I'm like that old. So... I think the idea of taking online courses, and I've done a few distributed and digital courses, which I think are great, but I still doubt I learn enough in them compared to when I'm in a classroom. Once you like bring the metaverse into it, that's where I just wonder how much of people like might sign up for the experience versus 
the actual kind of course information. I remember with the 6529 partnership that they did at Unic that I had a lot of fun the first couple of sessions I went to, and then they became less fun the more I went to them. Just because I kind of got used to the construct and then it was like just a time fight of like, am I going to do my job? Am I going to see friends? Or am I going to spend time doing this course? Totally. And the course did not win that battle for mm. me. And so I wonder about the idea of doing it for an actual degree, which I think is, again, a fascinating thing. And I think some people will do this, but I do wonder, is this the future of education or is this a nice way to get some great press for someone who is pushing the boundaries of innovation in education. Totally. I mean, something I'm thinking about, well, first of all, I completely understand not being able to, I guess, sit through the course. You know, I was a Zoom university student myself. I understand the struggles of online learning and especially in a space that moves so fast. I mean, something else I wanted to bring up is that academia has not yet come to embrace NFTs, the metaverse, Web3, and it completely makes sense. I mean, it's a new field. You know, we have seen some professors teach courses, publish papers, you know, make real efforts to drive forward the space and have this traditional academic approach to it, which I think is really important. But I don't know if that's all there. And that being said, I'm not sure that a university style program is really set up to give students that actual academic experience yet in the metaverse. I mean, if I think about if I was going to teach a course on NFTs, I would use half of my stuff from Twitter. I mean, really, <laughs> like, I don't know how else I would do it. <laughs> and then showing how, you know, teaching on probably how to use Etherscan and then going through different marketplaces and explaining certain concepts. But there aren't many actual published papers and academic journals on this. So I don't really know what to pull from. I think it's cool, but it certainly isn't traditional. I love the idea that in Cam's college course, your final paper is just a long Twitter thread that you have to like. <laughs> yes, exactly. Out there. And only if you get like 197 likes, do you get an A or something like that. That's how it's going to go. Look, I think Zoom is relatively boring. You know, and you were forced to do courses on Zoom, so you had to adapt. And so maybe distributed learning in that way, which so many people, especially younger people, had to learn the hard way, became more and more comfortable as a, this is just what we're doing. And maybe it being in the metaverse and about the metaverse is actually a benefit compared to the normal just two-way video dialogue like we're having right now. And then I also think about the idea of the degree itself. Like I want a hard copy of a degree, but I also do love a soul bound degree that anyone could check and say, oh, Sam has earned that. And how? Because he connected wallet and I saw that it was in there. So that is also super interesting. I'm surprised we haven't seen more of that kind of stuff. I think you made such a good point, which is the academic world seems still not up to understanding how to talk about a space that moves so fast. But there are a lot of people who are interested in it that turn to Twitter because really there's just no other place to go. And maybe Unic does help satisfy some of that. It'd be really interesting to see if anyone coming out of that course becomes the designers of future multiverse spaces that we end up spending time in. Totally. I would be really interested just to get to know the students, get to know the professors. I think it'd be really cool to just sit down and talk with them about what they're teaching, what they're learning, you know, what they hope to go do with that degree as well. And there's so many different things I can imagine that one would be able to accomplish after getting this master's in the metaverse degree. But 
We'll see. I mean, I think it's cool. And they've got a little alpha on one of Cam's next stories, or maybe next year's stories. (laughs) If you're listening and you're trying to get into that program, please DM me on Twitter. I am happy to talk to you. You heard it here, folks. All right. The last story that you wrote that I wanted to talk about was so fun and fascinating. (laughs) (laughs) But the German intelligence agency has released an NFT collection that sort of looks like semi-amused dogs. And to get one, I think it sounds like you have to go through a series of steps, but they're really utilizing this in a way to recruit talent into the intelligence agency. So can you tell us a little bit more about that story? What was interesting to you about it? And there were some folks on Twitter saying, is this also like a honeypot for the intelligence agency to learn more about the people who might be applying and maybe not for reasons of hiring, but for other potential reasons. Criminal is what I'm really talking about, guys. I mean, fascinating point. First of all, I think something that's cute is that this program is inspired by two dogs that are resident BND dogs who apparently get lots of likes on Instagram and Twitter. So it was only perfectly fitting that they release an NFT collection inspired by these cute little animals. But anyways, this program was put out. So the BND is the German intelligence agency that is doing this NFT collection. They're creating this type of treasure hunt. So if you're 13 and over and you live in Germany, then you're able to enter this competition where you have to track a token address, a block, a hash transaction, some type of data. And if you find it, then you get a clue to access this collection so you can mint into it. And the mint is virtually free something like 0.0001 ETH, you know, that's less than a cent with gas fees included. So you have to pay your own gas. So another thing. But anyways, it's sort of this test, like you were saying, in order to help recruit people and see which of these young, I'm assuming young because they marketed this primarily on Instagram. So they're trying to leverage this Gen Z audience. Being able to, you know, try to find out this clue, find this piece of data through their knowledge of the blockchain and You're right in saying that there could be ulterior motives to that, you know, potentially they're using this to see how smart people are in terms of using this. I mean, what if, let's just say, what if one of these pieces of data was hidden in some wallet that was converted with a protocol similar to Tornado Cash? I mean, it could be something like that, you know, with a mixer. I mean, you know, being able to test how much people really know about different ways you can go about concealing transactions. I mean, that's also something else too. But I think it's cool that there's, you know, this use of NFTs and this focus on at least trying to understand cybercrime in the context of Web3, because there's a lot of it, but it's not easy to find. Yes. One of our sponsors, Chainalysis, which our bonus episode just dropped last week, go into depth about like how brands need to think about the reality of what it means to also have compromised wallets as holders of your collection, which I thought was like something that a lot of brands don't talk about. But to your point there, I think that is a really interesting approach to hiring. It also makes me think if I was a big brand out there and I'm looking to build my Web3 team, that this type of model could be really good about a way in which You know, can someone go through a series of steps to show that they have Web3 chops to then mint an NFT, which maybe guarantees them an interview, right? Like you could think about ways that you could use this for hiring, for finding your next sort of like brand ambassadors and your evangelists by seeing who actually has the chops to do it. I think there's something really smart about this. 
I didn't love the art. <laughs> Neither did I. The source dogs were quite cute, but I, so I think they could have like come a little better with their approach to how they rendered them. But I did think the last thing that most crypto folks want to think about is an intelligence agency knowing that they are taking actions in crypto. Absolutely. <laughs> but with that said, I think that if you are looking to work in intelligence and you are in the Web3 and or crypto or cybersecurity space, it does feel like a pretty interesting way to at least do that kind of round one, do they make the cut? Like, can they even find out how to do the mint? And if you can, I think there's something like there's a great sort of marketing strategy in that, if you will. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, Cam, I know we both have places to go. Thank you so much for sitting in for Avery while she is on the French Riviera, probably with John Legend is my guest right now, oh, performing some songs, some duet <laughs> together. We will see her next week, but you are an amazing substitute. I hope you can come back soon. Cam, so good to see you. Thank you for all of your wisdom. And where can people find you on the internet? Well, first of all, thank you, Sam. Always a pleasure. Always great to have these conversations. People can find me on Twitter at Cam G. Thompson. That's pretty much where if you want to shoot me a DM, my DMs are open. Happy to chat with you more if you find any of these topics enticing or if you have any scoops you want to send, any intel. Look at that. I'm always free. <laughs> you have a direct line, listeners, to how to get your story published on Coindesk, but make it a good one so we can also talk about it on Gen C. Don't use the word fidgetal. <laughs> With that, we're going to wrap up. Thank you guys for listening. As always, please feel free to drop us comments in the DMs, on Twitter, on LinkedIn, anywhere you can find us. And we look forward to seeing you next week. And if you liked listening to me talk about NFT things, you can also hear me on Carpe Consensus, where I am a co-host alongside Daniel Nelson and Ben Schiller. That is every week. It goes live on Thursdays. So make sure you tune in for more of me there. Shout out Carpet Consensus, a must listen. Mm -hmm.